Hello and welcome to Holy Days. Uh, I'm here with Apostle Freddie and I'm Pastor Sean and today we're going to talk about Katessa. So uh, Apostle, you were telling me about this morning, had a good men's group? Uh, yes, we did. We had a real good study. Of course, we were up in the book of Numbers talking about some different things uh, going through the end of that. Uh, very interesting. Uh, one of the little things that we were looking at this morning in the book of Numbers, how Outside of the city walls, it says measure out 1,500 foot or 3,000 foot. And it said for extra grazing and of that nature. But uh, my question was, after just being in Israel a few weeks ago, as we traveled, our, our guide pointed out the boundaries. And we seen the boundary markings. This is the like you would on your property. You have stakes to say, this is my boundary. But... Uh, we noticed we were driving on the opposite side of the boundary. and But then he showed us the wall or the electric fence that's around the perimeter of the, the land of Israel. And it was several thousand feet away from that. And I just related those two this morning. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they took extra ground. And so I, that was just interesting for our discussion this morning. Uh, uh, need to do a little research and find out all of those things. But. I mean, well, like you said, extra ground. You remember he said that uh, Israel always uh, pushes their boundary a little bit. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that's uh, maybe that's where just our human nature, everybody wants to push their boundary. They want to mow a little on the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you today uh, with Holy Days. Uh, we hope you've been enjoying each one of our casts because I, I just... Uh, uh, just think Pastor Sean is doing a tremendous, uh, excellent job of leading us through. And uh, so once again today, here we are, and we're ready to, to go a little further. Thank you, Apostle. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, uh, Kitesa. Uh, I didn't look up how to say this one properly, but uh, it means when you take. When you take. When you take. So we're through Exodus thirty eleven to thirty four thirty five. So... If you want to follow along with us, uh, feel welcome to. Uh, the people of Israel are told each to give a half shekel of silver for the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So as far as I know, this is just, it was affordable for each person, rather mm -hmm. rich or poor among the tribes. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know how much each individual had. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if everyone was rich. Some of them were rich. Some of them got more. Some of them didn't. We can assume all day, but that's where we're at. Okay, so an everyone, 20 above, gives an offering to the Lord, which is the half shekel, rich or poor, all give the same, no, no more and no less, to atone for your souls. Mm. That's what the word is uh, covered on that. But, uh, we covered in the last uh, parashah that silver represents redemption. Okay, so yes. when the silver has the foundation pieces around the tabernacle, and each, uh, they're all made out of silver. So the foundation of the tabernacle was built on redemption. So that it just tells you how much God is all about that. He is about mm -hmm. redeeming his people. Um, and then we had the, uh, the well, the 30 uh, pieces uh, represents uh, a female slave. And as well as when Jesus, they uh, gave uh, Judas 30 shekels. 30. I mean, 30, 30 pieces of silver. Mm -hmm. Um and they would say that that 30 pieces of silver is uh, Christ purchasing the redemption for his bride. Mm -hmm. So if you remember, Judas threw it in the temple. Mm -hmm. 
So it's kind of funny how it ended back up in the temple, and the enemy paid for it in a way. Yeah. <laughs> but the money he took and meant for evil, he threw back into the mm-hmm. temple. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the redemption price for all of us, was 30 pieces of silver. And so even though you may say, well, he was the sacrifice. Yes, absolutely. But he leaves nothing undone. Whenever you go through the Bible, it's, it's kind of like, it's the greatest story because everything relates to something else. And they leaves nothing undone. Right. So it's it's amazing how all of these things connect. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the, we're going to go on to the the copper washstand, mm-hmm. the, the basin, whatever your translation says. Yeah. But it's made out of copper, and that's between the tent of meeting and the altar. Now, uh, copper was used as uh, the vessels made for service for preparation, and not for the service itself. So that's where you get the copper. It's a uh, you know, everything else was made out of gold or pure gold or something of that nature. And the copper is used in preparation to get to those things. So that's what that was for. Gold was used for the innermost. Silver is on the beams, the hooks, the bands of the pillars, um, the decanters, and the other sacred implements were all fashioned from silver. Yep. So we got all of that. Um, Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and feet from it. That's the basin, the bronze basin. Mm-hmm. And in verse 20, when they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Or when they approach the altar to serve, to make a fire offering r- rise up to the Lord. So they were told each and every time you go in, you have to wash your hands. So it's just part of it. Uh, verse 21, all generations of Aaron's descendants to wash this way. So it's commanded from that point forward, they all had to wash before doing any of the rest. Uh, 22 through 25, we got the recipe for the anointing oil. Mm. I didn't go into that, but there are a lot of theories on that. And um, recently they have anointing oil that looks orange in color, Mm. and it almost glows. Wow. It's very interesting, and I think that that might be, because part of the recipe that I didn't go into is we, we're not sure on the translation, but when they changed it to what they were theorizing on, um, which is uh, cannabis, actually, mm. but it's not, it's not weed. It's uh, the word for cannabis. And there's two separate things there. And they used that. It turned it orange. So it's very interesting. Don't know much about that. but Well, let me ask you a question. People mm-hmm. always ask me, or I've had people ask me in the past, can we uh, make anointing oil? Or do we have available to us every ingredient they had to make the same anointing oil? Well, that's the, that's the section I was talking about. The mm-hmm. original anointing oil written here, mm-hmm. uh, it's a matter of translation. Okay. But yes, do, do we have it? Yes, we mm-hmm. have the stuff to make it. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, are we making it the right way? Yeah. And, you know, of course, everywhere you go, uh, Christian bookstores, they sell anointing oil. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, people always say, well, you, they've asked me at church, what type of anointing oil did, do you use to anoint people? Well, John, I've always looked at it, oil as oil. Mm-hmm. You use it. And, and I remember back in, uh, years ago, uh, I was uh, worked in construction, and I used to carry a Bible in my lunchbox that I would read from time to time. And, and uh, so several people knew that... Uh, 
that I was a Christian and I read the Word, and, and they would ask me questions, and, and I had a habit of praying for people, uh, especially praying for the sick. And so when someone asked me one day, well, do you anoint with oil? I said, sure. And they said, well, you have any oil? I want you to anoint me and pray for me. Well, in my toolbox, I had a can of three-in-one. And I just took that little old can of three-in-one, and I told them it was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I anointed them and prayed for them, and God did the miracle. They were touched and healed. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter today, you know, what type of oil. It just says anoint with oil. Uh, yes. But this was their recipe for their anointing oil, and, and we can, uh, as Sean says, we can make our own if you, if you follow the recipe. Yes, so. and part of the reason why, we're going to find out in some of these things, I'll go into it a little deeper as we go along, certain things were only to be used for certain things. Right. So this version of the anointing oil was really only supposed to be to anoint the, the vessels in the temple. Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of cover that, it's kind of vague there, but as you go into different parts of the uh, books, it covers that. So it's to me, I was like, I don't want to make this specific one, and I'm okay using any other one. Yeah, well, I'm okay too, but if you come to church and we anoint you with oil, I don't use the three-in-one unless you bring your own because uh, uh, th- we like a little bit better smelling oil. There so. you go. <laughs> um, in verses 26 through 32, anoint the tent and all the artifacts with this oil, Aaron and his sons as well, the Kohanim, as priest, uh, not to be uh, poured on human flesh. Mm. So that's that section there. Okay. It was only meant for this purpose. So they cover that in that little section. That's what I was talking about. So if you ever come across orange anointing oil, you may not want to, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> So, yeah, it, you know, and I, how we overlook some things we read, uh, mm-hmm. but it's says it must never be used to anoint anyone else. Mm -hmm. So uh, other than anyone else or anyone. uh, So the priest was anointed a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so... Which today, I mean, you can argue back and forth on... Because every every one of us are supposed to be priest of our home. So you can... I just... So what about this passage that it goes on to say, you must never make any blend like it for yourselves. Mm -hmm. So... You know, we're as we talk about, we'll ask questions because uh, one of the men in our group, he loves to ask questions, and, and sometimes I think, oh, it's a head-scratcher. Uh, but, uh, you know, these are real questions that people have, and uh, they read this, I want to make it, but then it says not to because it was made for specific purposes. But we still anoint with oil. We just don't make this blend. If you were to ask a rabbi, he would say, no, you're not supposed to use it. Wow. If yes. you ask a messianic rabbi, he would say, well, I would be careful. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, the scripture says it's holy and you must treat it as holy. Yes. And there are things that we just don't treat mm-hmm. uh, the way we should. Yes. And respect the way we, we need to respect. And uh, so it's very important to try to uh, follow the teaching of the Bible, uh, even though we're talking Old Testament, and we know that we live in a, a new covenant, uh, but there are still certain things that we need to uh, take, you know, serious heed to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're getting into sections here with questions. There's going to be some questions. Mm-hmm. We're getting close to it. So I'll, I'll just move along, and then we'll, we'll address it when we get there. Uh, verse 33, anyone who disobeys this is to be cut off from the camp. Wow. So it was taken pretty seriously. Uh, verses 34 and 38, uh, take for yourself aromatics, uh, 
basalm sap. I, I always say that word wrong. And more made in, made it into incense, a compound according to the art of the performer, pure and holy, crushed very finely, placed before the testimony in the tent of meeting, where I will arrange meetings with you. It shall be to you a holy of holies. So what we see here is he's instructing him to have a tent separate a place where Moses meets with them outside the camp. So it, the Lord is setting that up, mm-hmm. and uh, he's already instructing him about it. Before any of the things that happen that are about to happen. So he's already instructing him about that. God always knows what's coming. And he, he, he gives spoiler alerts ahead of time. Yeah. So uh, verses 37 and 38, it's holy. Don't remake it for other purposes. And if you do, you're cut off. So, uh, chapter 31, first time in the Bible it mentions someone being filled with the Spirit. Before we go right there, some of this warning is not to make it. Do you think that people maybe had the thought, well, I can do what Moses does, and I can be my own and make my own, do my own anointing, and uh, I can bypass Moses? You know, in today's society, we all, people for general, and and I've been guilty in the past, uh, we look for shortcuts in things we do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you know, when it comes to the things of God, honoring God, serving God, and doing God, doing things the way God ordains, there can't be a shortcut. Absolutely. And uh, so many people... Uh, try to do shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another uh, discussion that I've had in our men's group. Uh, you know, I believe when God sets up a church or ordains a church, that church is uh, normally uh, commissioned, uh, ordained. Uh, the minister is anointed and blessed uh, and sent out. Mm-hmm. And the Bible tells us, you know, to send out. It doesn't just say, you take up on your own and go do something. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have the right uh, priestly anointing. And so this is what uh, what I sense out of this. Moses was instructed. And so don't you go and try to do it for yourself mm-hmm. because it's, it's not God's purpose in his ways. And if you remember in Israel, the tribe of Dan, Dan tried to do that. Uh, and we're going to cover that, but we were at the tribe of Dan. So we'll be we, able to throw up those pictures when the time comes. But okay. they tried to make a separate uh, temple. They made a separate God. They sacrificed there. And what happened to the tribe of Dan's location? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's still ruins. in ruins today. And uh, there was... Uh, no tribe that you could uh, identify with other than these runs. Mm-hmm. So. so when it comes to, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, churches and things like that, everybody can get frustrated with the leadership sometimes, so I want to cover that. Uh, a lot of times when people get frustrated or they don't think you're, you're going the right way or someone else is going the right way or sometimes there's stuff that's hidden that they're not talking about, <laughs> but um, they go out and try to form their own <laughs> without being called by God to do that. They're doing it just because they're frustrated or out of spite. Mm-hmm. And they or say, well, want the recognition. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is the wrong way to go about things. Yeah. And uh, the Bible covers this very clearly coming up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And then we'll get into it deeper with the... You know, and it's not that we don't believe in commissioning and mm-hmm. sending out because of what Scripture says. And, uh, and, and we should be about sending out people to other places. And so what about someone that moves into a, 
an area. They're, they came here from, we've had several people from California just recently, all the way to Kentucky, have joined our church. Uh, but what would happen, you know, when people come from another state or whatever, move here, and uh, they, don't, they don't fit in with the local churches or the local, they come in and they look and they say, well, no one can do it as good as I can. And they start their own work. Uh, you know, most of the time, those are they, what I call, say, a mom-and-pop church. They say their little family group, their little knit group. They just don't grow, and they don't have the blessings of God upon them in the full measure. I'm not saying God doesn't bless some of their work, mm-hmm. uh, and people are still getting saved. Or, but normally you don't see the outpouring, the big blessing, because they don't you know, join in the local church or find a local church, at least, you know, check them out, come and check them out and find one that teaches where you teach. So uh, I think it goes back. They're making their own oil and doing their own thing. So, I mean, every every person, when you covered it, each one of those steps you mentioned, never in any one of those steps did you say that they prayed about it. Right. Well, that's that's the big deal. So before you do anything, what what am I always saying? There's predictive prayer. And then there's the other kind, yeah. where, where you're just responsive. Yeah. So if, yeah. You're, if you're praying ahead of time, you know what you're supposed to do anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking other churches and looking around and some of those things, there's two, two things going on. One, you're asking around to see if you can start pulling people. Right. Or the other one is you're, you are looking for somewhere to fit in, but you don't feel like you do, so you make your own without confronting God first. Yeah. That is not the way to go about things. Yeah. So you have to be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it mean cut you off there, and we we'll get back on track. Amen. Um, verses thirty-seven. Well, wait a minute. Let's see, we're in chapter thirty-one. Well, we moved in thirty-one. Yeah. So God anointed certain people of the children of Israel to be craftsmen, and it specifically says imbued them with His Spirit. Mm. So for this work that they had to do, they got imbued with their talents, their gifts, and certain aspects of these things. So. People were saying, oh, well, they learned all that in Egypt. Uh, it's not what the Bible says. Mm. They did learn things in Egypt, but they were imbued by his spirit. Imagine if you were to pray and you come into your job and suddenly you know everything that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's being imbued by his spirit. And God does pour out his spirit on people to do certain things. And so these were building for the temple, for the tabernacle, and he gave them uh, these talents. And you got you got to look at that. He doesn't just pour out his spirit on people to prophesy. People will get the spirit of God poured out on them to do certain works, mm-hmm. certain things. You may be uh, in a business where you create an invention, and it's divinely inspired from the Holy Spirit. There are things where he does it, and this is the first part of the Bible where it actually mm-hmm. demonstrates that. Mm-hmm. So he imbues his spirit on all these people to do this. Um, and I would like to say that uh, if God gives you a talent and you're not using it because you don't know where to use it, or the better way I like to put that, you're not making any money off of it, mm-hmm. then use that for God. Yeah. Don't let any talent go to waste because you remember the pa- parable of the talents. Yeah, right. So we won't go super into that, but it's just something I always try to remember. If I'm not using it to make money somewhere in my own personal life, then I better be using it for God. 
Well, you know, kind of it's, it's like what we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He's talking about the fivefold ministry. He brings these in, each one different gift for the edifying of the church. Talents are the same thing. When God gives people talents, he brings it to edify the church. Sometimes you'll find in church that uh, your best keyboard player is sitting in the congregation or someone with a great voice is sitting. I don't want to commit to time and energy, but it's for the edifying of the church. Same thing with uh, talents of working, computers, uh, you know, just whatever talent you have. Well, I'm not good enough to make a living off of it, make money off of it, but God give it to you, has given you that talent for his glory. And so we need to use our talents. Amen. And then you might say, well, I haven't used enough, or maybe I'm not quite good enough, or maybe you're just chicken, or maybe you're just too shy, or maybe there's other, you can go on with the maybes all day long. But use your gifts for God. Whatever you're not using, use them. And if the ones that you do use to make money, hey, you might use that for God too. So it's just, it's just something to remember. Sometimes you need somebody to uh, help push you in your talents. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, we kind of push each other a little bit. And I, I really appreciate Sean with this ability and a gift that God's given you to do this teaching. So, Amen. And it's, uh, you know, I d just to touch on that a little bit more. No one starts out perfectly. We mm. didn't start out perfectly. No. Uh, we're still not perfect. Uh, mm. You just keep pushing. Yeah. And you learn and iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the scripture. Verses 12 through 17, keep the Sabbath, keep it holy. Uh, the whole section from 12 to 17, we've covered this, but he reiterates again, keep it holy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's just very important. It's very important to God uh, that we honor him mm -hmm. with the Sabbath. And even today, I still believe this is not, you know, we talk a lot about Jesus. Uh, when he came, we have a new covenant in him that we don't have to make sacrifices. A lot of people want to say, okay, uh, do away with the Old Testament. Uh, don't do anything out of the New Testament. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'll confess that in the beginning of our ministry in the uh, uh, first years, I preached more out of the Old Testament to strengthen and to, to be able to set up the New Testament than I did out of the New Testament at that time. And I draw so much uh, of God into it, and you find his principles, and that Jesus never, he obeyed the, the laws and principles of God. Now, I know on the cross when he said, it is finished, the the old is done away with, and we have a new covenant. But there's still things, and the Ten Commandments we still live by, and this is, uh, it's very important to honor God uh, and keep the Sabbath holy. So as you mentioned that, you know, it's, uh, there's so much of this that they say, hey, well, we don't have to do that, we don't have to do this. And in Christianity today, it's so liberal compared to what it used to be, especially when I was growing up. And that's not even that long ago. And you remember a time where the the holiness movement you yeah. couldn't there couldn't the skirt had to be to the floor, yeah. and uh, you didn't show any skin. Some people didn't wear makeup. I don't even want to go into that. Yeah. But there was a measure of we have to be separate and called out to be holy. And they had that that holiness movement. Now we have a time where everything is so liberal. It's it's actually disgusting, mm. but it's. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, I'm going to put it this way, you see God's personality. Yeah. 
and he keeps revealing it, and we're going to go into that in this chapter. Yeah. So, uh, when, in the next one. Yeah. Well, you know, and not to become legalistic mm-hmm. in everything, but uh, I think we should find that day of the Sabbath. And maybe it is that you have a, a job that you mandatory to be there on Sunday. If that's the case, maybe Monday's your Sabbath. That's your day of rest. But honor the Lord in, a, in that day that you take as your Sabbath and, and just honoring. So I think it's very important. A good way to put that is your rest day is not your play day. That's, there That's you go. I'm going to put it that way because people like to sin and do go crazy on their day off. That's not what that's for. Your day off is for God. Amen. So, At least one of them. Yeah, <laughs> at least one of them. Chapter 32, this is where we get into the incident. Yeah. So after gathering around Aaron, remember Moses was up on the mountain this whole time. Several of the things we covered God's revealing all these things and telling him what to do, how to make the tabernacle, everything. Moses has been up on the mountain this whole time. Yeah. So forty now, days. Forty days. After uh, gathering around Aaron, the children of Israel, come make us gods that b- go before us. We do not know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Verse two. Aaron instructed them to bring him gold rings from your wives, your sons, and daughters, and bring them to me. And in the next verse, all the people did this. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times I, I look at this and I, I have to sit and wonder sometimes what, uh, Aaron, uh, what influenced him to, uh, to follow the people instead of follow God? Are, are we so easily today influenced by the people to give the people what the people want mm-hmm. instead of giving the people what God wants? And, uh, I think, you know, Aaron uh, maybe feared for his life. Uh, Maybe it was threats, uh, different things of this nature. But, um, you know, this I I look at this because Aaron wasn't the one. Moses was mad at him, but he wasn't the one destroyed Mm -hmm. in this. So uh, just, you know, sometimes uh, we don't know what influences people. But Aaron was, it wasn't his ideal. Yeah. He was influenced to do this. And we're going to get into it a little bit. I'm going to go a little bit off track that people are usually used to. So okay. let's, let's check this out. Hindus today still worship cows as sacred. We know mm-hmm. that. In Egypt, uh, Hapis or Apis, depending on how it was, we covered that in some of our early lessons, was a god of fertility worshipped in the Memphis region. Mm-hmm. Uh, a seraphim at uh, Saqqara, if I'm saying that right, has a tunnel that goes underground in Egypt into tombs that is dedicated to the bulls of Apis. And it is thought in ancient Egyptian times to be the earthly incarnation of their god. So to the Israelites, here you got to remember that the golden calf to them was to represent their god. Mm-hmm. on earth. They wanted a fashioned image to represent God. They knew he didn't exist there, but they wanted something physical that they could worship, that they could see in front of them. So they chose to do this Well, Aaron fashioned the cow, and he just doing what he remembered. So in Egypt they had the cow right. that they worshipped. Mm-hmm. So he makes a golden cow off of what he remembers brings them straight back into idol worship so whether or not Aaron was totally innocent, 
I would say no, and it wasn't just out of fear. He made something that he remembered from the gods of Egypt. Mm. So I'm not as lenient on Aaron as yeah. some others might be, but it's he made that image, and he knew what that image was. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah. yeah. And you know, and as they, they make it, I, I find it interesting that, uh, what the Lord tells Moses in verse 7 of this passage. Uh, it says, And the Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people. God didn't, didn't even want to claim them as his people. Your people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. So uh, we know right off how this displeased God mm-hmm. and how corrupt they, they have corrupted themselves. Sometimes we can corrupt our own selves and we don't have anybody to blame but our own selves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So verses 7 through 10, the Lord tells Moses to go down to your people. I even have that section underlined. I'm glad you mentioned that. And see what they have done. So angry is he that he tells Moses, leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them mm. and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, a great nation. Yeah. So think about how mad God is at this point. Yeah. He's very he was going to destroy them all and the only one left was going to be Moses. Yeah. So it's important to remember that. This is uh this should have been the end of their story. Yeah. All remember Moses had co- to do was walk away. Right. Cuz he said, "I will destroy them." And, and you got you got to think about this. People never put this into perspective. Yeah. Imagine what it's like to stand before the creator when he's that mad. Mm. How easy would it have been for Moses to walk away or be fearful and say, but what does Moses do? In verses 11 through 13, he instead pleads with God, why are you so angry with fierce anger and power against your people? Yeah, he says, whom you brought from the land of Egypt. Mm -hmm. God's told Moses, these people you brought, but Moses turned around, you brought them out because I followed you. Mm-hmm. So, and I uh, love that Moses points out to him. He says, "Your people, your people." They, they were playing on words again. Yeah. So they're going back uh, and forth. I love that the conversation that we can see that Moses had with God, mm-hmm. and uh, people a lot of times say, "Well, I don't hear from God." Well, I think if you serve God the way we should, mm-hmm. uh, we follow after God, just as Moses had a relationship with God. We individually can have that relationship. Now, it may take a while to develop. You know, it may not. uh, When you meet someone, sometimes that relationship is not what it's, you know, like you want it to be when you first meet. But over time, that relationship grows. But I think we can have a relationship with God that you can say, no, it ain't my people, God. It's your people, you know. (laughs) And so I love that about Moses. And I love the fact that, and as we'll get to and and sure, how Moses interceded and pleaded on behalf of the people. Mm -hmm. Uh, you You need someone that will not throw you to the uh, slaughter, throw you away uh, when you mess up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to have someone that will intercede and uh, remind you that it that God is God. And so, uh, I, I love the heart of Moses. Yes, it's it is. An, it, it, we see it right here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and of course we know some of you. We want to jump way ahead. So Moses don't even get to go into Promised Land because of disobedience. Even at that, we can say, look at that Moses. You know, he was, but on the other half, he may have not went in, and all, but all these people 
they survived because Moses pleaded on their behalf. Mm -hmm. So I think God had a heart for Moses. Oh, yes. Uh, and then verse 12, this is what Moses continues to say. Why let the Egyptians say God brought them out of Egypt to kill them? Mm -hmm. Turn away from your fierce anger. Yeah. You know. Remember, God melted the top of Mount Sinai, and you got the aluminum that heated, and when it heats, some of it becomes sapphire. Mm. Uh, when it's superheated, if it has the right conditions, uh, with the trace amounts of elements like iron. But it, so he was so hot, when he walked around, he melted, and it looked like sapphire was underneath his feet, yeah. because it literally was. He was making it as he walked on it. He was so hot. So it's... Imagine what he was like when his anger was blazed. <laughs> and yeah. it's, uh, imagine uh, how terrifying that had to be to Moses. Yeah. But still, he interceded. So Moses, like the Levites, they, he knew God better than what the idol worshipers did. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and it tells us there in verse 14 that, um, that God, so it says, and so the Lord changed his mind. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, do do we realize that uh, God can change His mind even toward us? Uh, see, when we fall into sin and we fall away from God, God's mind is made up. Our our doom is just, we're doomed for destruction, mm -hmm. and uh, we have no place with Him. And so that's the mind of God at that time. Just like when we we get mad, sometimes our mind is made up about such and such, but. As the intercession of Moses uh, and the speaking with God, God changed his mind. And I'm so thankful that I'm sure God's had to change his mind on my life for a time or two. <laughs> uh, but God is a loving God. And we have to understand that he's a just God. And some of the punishments, some of the things is because of our sin. So the punishment that was about to come up on the people was because of their sin, mm -hmm. not because God did anything wrong or misled them or mistreated them. It was because of their own sin, their own idol worship. But even with that, even with the rejection of the one true God, following an idol God, they deserved death, and God changed his mind, and uh, he allowed them to live. And so uh, I, I just firm believer that even sometimes we can mess up and we look according to scripture sean it's doomed mm -hmm. but i'm glad you're interceding for me so <laughs> uh god can change his mind toward me amen he can do it for all of us amen um but you know and thinking about moses and someone to intercede for you you know he's standing before an angry all-powerful being and he knows him well enough that he's confident in, in interceding for them. Because, uh, you know, God just said, I'll wipe them all mm -hmm. and just keep you alive. But he has the boldness and he knows in his heart what God really wants. So he comes out and says and defends those people. So that's how important it is to have that relationship mm -hmm. with God. As deep as you can go. And if you want that relationship to speak to God face to face, then have the guts to pray for it. And don't speak doubt. I will say that. Because if you really believe in your heart, God is no respecter of persons, mm. then why can't you have that relationship too? 
Amen. So it's a measure of not letting doubt in your heart and having that faith to keep on going and believing that you mm. will have it. Mm. So, you know, people can argue about it and say everything day and night. Don't, don't argue with people. Mm. What, what, what good does that do? So <laughs> pray to God, get close to Him, and just see where that leads you. That's, that's just how I feel about yeah. it. But verse 13, Moses reminds God of his oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In verse 14, the Lord changed his mind, like he said. 15 through 16, Moses went down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and they were inscribed front and back, written by God himself. In verse 17, Joshua, being partway up the mountain waiting for Moses, says to Moses, it sounds like war in the camp. Right, right. <laughs> Moses says, it's not the sound of war, but celebration I hear. Right. So, go ahead. I was just thinking on that word celebration. Uh you know, people have things they and they go all in celebration over, and they don't realize what they're doing. And our celebration is only meant for God. Yes. We are to celebrate Him and worship Him. Amen. Amen. Uh, verse 19, Moses saw the golden calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. Mm, so yeah. now he's he's got that representation of how God burned. And remember that Moses is representation to the Israelites of God. Because mm. that's how he did it to Pharaoh. That's how he's done it. So we see that anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, not into the idol like in the Charlton Heston movie, <laughs> but smashing them at the foot of the mountain. Moses, you know, he, he broke them at yeah. the foot of the mountain. He right. was so upset. So verse 20, he took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. You know, he was a little upset. Just a little bit. <laughs> Moses asked Aaron, what did you do to, the, to these people? What did these people do to you to make you bring such a terrible sin upon them? Yeah. And now we, we see it coming. Okay. Uh, verses 22 through 24. You know how evil these people are. <laughs> hey, they told me to make them gods who will lead us. So I told them, where, uh, you know, bring the gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it in the fire. And a calf came out. And a calf came out. <laughs> so, Every kind of like some of our excuses our children say sometimes. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it just happened. You know, I'm just, you know. <laughs> but, and, uh, it's, you know, Aaron had to be so, so afraid, you know, at this point. So it's, it's easy to overly judge him here. Yeah. What would you do if you had done something like that, yeah. you know? Verse 25, Moses saw Aaron uh, let the people get out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. Mm -hmm. So all their surrounding nations mm -hmm. know they're there. They heard about what happened in Egypt, and now all of this happens. You know, it's a very interesting verse. Um, he says, um, Moses said, Aaron, you let these people get out of control. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, even in our own lives, even in a church life, uh, we hear disgruntled people. And, uh, you know, we we turn and say, well, that has nothing to do with me. But what we do is let it get out of control. And uh, uh, I think if we focus on being peacemakers and keeping things under control, let's wait and see. Let's pray about it. Let's wait for the Moses or the, the pastor or, or the apostle or prophet. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, we would uh, fare much, much better. 
uh, and wouldn't cause this bitterness to build up in people. And so Aaron just let it, according to Moses, he he pointed and blamed Aaron. You let this get out of control. Mm -hmm. So... And it's true. I've noticed it in some different ministries I've been a part of where I know someone's getting disgruntled or upset about something and they tell no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I don't believe that at all. So it's it's easy to get offended and it's not the easiest thing to overcome, but with time everyone usually realizes. So I try to intercept that as much as I can, mm-hmm. but there are times when, you know, even I I have trouble too. Yeah. So. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Verse 26, Moses stood at the entrance of the camp, shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Mm. So Moses instructs them on what God said. Each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to, kill, uh, to, the, to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, your friends, your neighbors. And the Levites obeyed Moses uh, command about 3,000 people died that day. Hmm. So they went through the camp, they slaughtered these people who were sinning, and they didn't decide with Moses. Moses lets them know, today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord, for you have obeyed even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. Hmm. So even though this is an incredibly sad event, those who were rebellious and had no intention of changing, we see what the judgment brings. Mm. And we see the blessing that comes on the Levites. Right. Because right. from this point forward, God is saying, you have ordained yourselves to my service. And now that's why we like the new covenant, because we don't have to go and kill anyone <laughs> or not commanded to. But uh, it just shows the seriousness mm-hmm. of honoring and obeying God. Yes. And uh, even though we don't carry extremes to to judge and kill people ourselves, we know to honor God and obey Him. Yes. And I think it's very important. So in the Old Testament, we see that God has to judge people. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, we see that there's the option of forgiveness. And a lot of times we question our own life. Why hasn't God judged these people yet? Yeah. Now, one of the things that I noticed here, we're talking about this, and Moses commands them to kill. They did that. Now you would think, okay, it's all right with God. But I think you're getting ready to go in mm-hmm. the next section. And what Moses, this is the intercession that Moses does for the people. Mm-hmm. So Moses goes back up the mountain and uh, after he tells the people, I'm going back up to intercede for them. And so where Moses tells God, if only you will forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from your book. Yeah. Remember we talked about that? Yeah. Where that section, that parsha, does not mention Moses' name. Yeah. So, it, you know, Moses tells the people, perhaps I will be able to persuade God. Mm-hmm. You know, Moses, even at that time, was not totally uh, certain that God would forgive him. He mm-hmm. said, perhaps I will be able to, which is very interesting. So. so the Lord tells Moses he will erase the names of all who sinned against him. Uh, follow the angel, the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night, and I will certainly hold them responsible for their sins. So he's asking them to forgive them, and he says, I'm going to hold them responsible for their sins. The Lord sent a great plague upon the people because they worshiped the calf that Aaron had made. And it's, it declares that in the scripture, Aaron made. Right. I'm just pointing that out. So um, we see, again, God promised to send an angel to drive out all the other people in the promised land. Uh, this is chapter 33. Yeah. 
So we're getting into that part. But in verse 3, we see the Lord say, I will not go up in your midst since you are a stiff-necked people, mm. lest I destroy you on the way. Mm. So we're, we're, you're seeing the anger of the Lord right here. Mm. Verse 4, when Israel heard the bad news, they mourned and no one put on their finery. So their good clothes, you know, people come to church, I got to look good, yeah. all that. They were so ashamed that no one put on anything that looked good. Mm. Just basic clothes. They're just ashamed. Verse 6, uh, the children of Israel divested themselves of their finery. That's the, that's the mm -hmm. verse. So, so Moses made a tent outside the camp and called it the tent of meeting. We see the pillar of fire and the cloud come down to this tent now. And when the people inquired of the Lord, they came there. So they had to come outside of the camp to get to it now. Mm -hmm. It wasn't at the tabernacle anymore. Mm -hmm. So when the Israelites saw the cloud over the tent, they bowed down towards it. So they'd come outside of their tent face it, and bow down towards it because they knew God was visiting at that moment. Mm -hmm. And then uh, God spoke to Moses face to face. That's where we come to that scripture, mm -hmm. face to face. As a man would speak to his companion, Moses would then return to the camp, but his attendant Joshua would not depart from the tent. He stayed there in the presence of God. So uh, verses 12 through 23, God promises Moses favor his presence will go, and he will give him rest. Mm. So Moses asked to see the glory of God. Oh, yes. Amen. God says he will put Moses in a cleft in the rock, puts his hand over Moses' face, or, uh, or the entire body. Mm. It doesn't really say there, but th there's arguments on that, but we won't go into that. Passes by declaring his name. When he removes his hand, Moses can only see his back. Now, I'm going to show you the part where the rabbis and your uh, Messianic Jews cover this section. So God told him if he saw his face, he would die. Hmm. Now, in Hebrew, okay. if you see my front side, you will die. But if you see, I will show you my back. So this is where we get into it. It's interesting enough, Moses gets the prophetic vision of all the things that happened prior to that moment. So he gets okay. Genesis' account. He gets the story of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, that everything that wasn't passed down, he gets perfect clarity on all of that. So you've got to think about it. He, get, he gets to see the former glory, hmm. everything that happened before. He gets to see God's backside, behind, everything that happened behind. Okay. He doesn't get to see the front. Okay. So he doesn't get to see the future of the things coming. So it's very interesting that that happens. And that's where your Messianic Jews and your rabbis, they teach that. Well, that's interesting, Eric, because we don't get that teaching or we don't get that interpretation without some Hebrew knowledge and mm -hmm. stuff. So and they even say that, uh, well, we'll get into it, but they even say that God wrote those and handed them to him as part of the tablets that he hands them. So I don't, I don't know, yep. but that's, that's their interpretation of that event. Mm. So it's very interesting. So in chapter uh, 34, he goes up to the mountain alone. Mm -hmm. So... This is the part where God's instructing him what he's going to do, what we covered. Now we're going to see the fulfillment of it. So he goes up the mountain. He hews out two new stones, as God instructed, mm -hmm. climbs the mountain, and then uh, the cloud descends. And God stood with Moses, calling him in the midst of the cloud. So um, let me see here. You know, in this here, it says, Lord told Moses, chisel out. Mm -hmm. Uh, we read over in chapter 31, verse 18, 
that the finger of God wrote it and did the, the work the first time. Mm-hmm. Now man's doing the work. Yes. At the instruction of God. So uh, we're at uh, 34, verses 6 through 9. So the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay their sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren, the entire families affected, even children to the third and fourth generations. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. And he said, O Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. Mm. So he's up there that remaining 40 days, and he's pleading before God. Please forgive these people, like you, you were saying. Yeah, that is that is really something that Moses had done, and you, if he hadn't done that, fasting forty days on the mountain with God, pleading, mm-hmm. forgive these people if I found favor with you. So it doesn't tell us how long it took for Moses to get to that point. Mm. So how long did he have to fast and intercede while he was up there before God heard him on this? It, it does not say, but he was faithful. God promises the covenant. Keep carefully the commandment. He will drive out the inhabitants of the land. So he tells them again, I'll drive them out. Mm-hmm. 10 and 11. You know, he had promised that he would send uh, bees and wasps and things. Yeah. He'll drive them out. He'll send an angel before them and drive them out. They won't have to do it. Yeah, right. So that was the promise of God. Verse 12, don't form a covenant with them. Mm. So everybody who knows the Bible already knows what happens. Right. But 13 through 16 warns against idolatry again. In verse 17, specifically, and for us today, you shall make no molten gods for yourself. So people sometimes want to make a representation of Jesus or representation of God, all these things. He doesn't want that. He says it specifically in the Old Testament, don't do this. You know, you're not supposed to have that. The altar... You're supposed to leave empty so you can visualize God yourself. You're worshiping a real God, not an image. It, that, that idolatry is false. It's false kind of worship. It's not something you're meant to do. And he covers it. He does. He so. does. You know, interesting, here we are. We, we could back up 14, 15 chapters to uh, Exodus 20 where the Lord gives the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And of course, and we know we re- he wrote them and they broke and wrote them again. But everything that we continue to read, God's standard is the same standard as the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the Third Commandment about honoring your father and mother. And he talks about, uh, and we just you read over here in verse uh, 7, verse 8, uh, it talks, or verse 7, I, I will visit. I, I will lay the sins of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren and the entire family for the third and fourth generation. Isn't that what the the, the third commandment says? Mm-hmm. Even the sins of the iniquity to the third and fourth generations. Mm-hmm. So uh, God stays with his his commandments. He stays true to those uh, in everything that he says. Uh, there you just mentioned, you should have no other gods before me. Make no idol worship and uh, things of that nature. So God is the same. He doesn't change. 
on on that count of his laws and mm-hmm. his rules. So and we don't see until like first or second Kings or somewhere in there where he decides no more shall the uh, the curse be upon the children. It's not until a much later time that mm-hmm. God decides no more am I going to do that. And and one of the things we teach from the New Testament is that with Christ that curse is broken mm-hmm. and there therefore as we are and I love the, my one of my very favorite scriptures is is second Corinthians 5:17 anyone in Christ he is a new creation mm-hmm. old things have passed away well that's any curse anything older you know I I struggle sometimes when I hear people talking about sicknesses uh arthritis for instance uh, well, you know, my mama had it, and my daddy had it, and my grandma had it, and therefore I'm going to get it. No, you don't. That curse is broken. You're in Christ. You are a new creation, and you need to under, have to understand how to denounce that, rebuke that, take authority over it, and walk in peace and assurance that my God is big enough that the curse will skip me and pass over. And we get that from, you know, Passover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we've done with uh, the plague that we faced uh, with uh, COVID. We placed ribbons on our doors. Uh, we prayed over our house. We took communion and we honored God. And that plague has passed over. And we can, because of the covenant that Christ made, that we have those sicknesses and things we can walk in the newness of life. Amen. It's, uh, you know, and part of these things are, uh, you know, the word is disease. Mm-hmm. So even if there's a cancer, it's a dis-ease. Mm-hmm. It's something to, to bring that. Uh, ca- cancer should never kill anyone. Yeah. It's, uh, there's, a, there's a, a breaking of what, what we're told to do. So there's certain passages in the Bible where it talks about eating the seeds of things. Mm-hmm. How often do we eat the fruit and eat the seed? Mm-hmm. Not very often. Yeah. Uh, apricot seeds, incredibly healthy for you. Mm. But people, you got you got to take off the hard outer shell, but you're supposed to eat that on the inside. Those people in the Himalayas, in that section, they didn't know what cancer was. Mm. It's, and they lived a long time, but they eat apricot seeds as part of their wow. diet. The Bible tells us in certain areas, eat the seeds of these fruits, mm. of the certain ones. And how often have we obeyed that? There are things that we have a deficiency on causing dis- dis-ease. So I just, just bringing that out, you got to study that for yourself. I'm not a doctor, and yeah. I know the you know, FDA would love to shut everybody oh, yeah. down that says that. But there are things that we don't obey that's in the Bible that would eliminate a lot of the diseases mm. we have. Mm. So, but this is discussion for another time. So in verse 22, uh, this is the creation of the festival of weeks. He tells them this is to be a yearly celebration. So Mm. there's fire on the mountain. Mm -hmm. And in uh, Acts 2, there's fire on the Mount Zion. Okay. So we got two comparison there. Uh, It took 40 days on the mountain. How many days from... uh, Jesus' resurrection until the day of Pentecost. Well, Pentecost means 50, so mm-hmm. 50 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from his, that was from the crucifixion till Pentecost. But from his, his ascension that we read in Acts uh, 1 9, 
we get roughly, and I've heard this teaching that that's forty days. So is yes. Okay. I was hoping you would you would pick it. He he did. He picked up on that perfectly. Um, verse twenty nine. Uh, when Moses descended, he had the tablets in hand, and the skin on his face became radiant. Mm-hmm. So, I'm pointing out all these things because uh, the day of Pentecost is the same time as the festival of weeks. The mm-hmm. very same day, down to the day mm-hmm. of the year that they celebrate it. So when Acts 2 happened, it happened at the same time, the same day, how many ever thousands of years ago that it happened here. So everything is connected that way. So your Feast of Weeks, your uh, Shavuot in Hebrew, is the same thing as Pentecost for us. Mm-hmm. It was the same day. So it's amazing how that all these things correlate. There's even more than that we don't have time to get into. But uh, uh, Aaron and the Israelites were afraid to come near him. Because his face shines so bright, mm. so when he came around them, he'd wrap his face, and he and then. But when he went back in the ta- uh, tabernacle of meeting, his own tent, he'd take it off and then talk to God face to face. You know, that glow that was on Moses, and the people couldn't talk to him. You know, we can experience that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm gonna go back to a testimony of my own self back when. Uh, God did an incredible miracle in mine and Sister Becky's life. Uh, some may not know it, but it was a restoration of our marriage that happened uh, 37 years ago. But I had an, such an encounter with God that I knew right then and there that God had restored and healed our marriage. It was, it was just something you knew that you knew. But I was in that presence of God for that for a period of three and a half hours, uh, which is, uh, I wish I had more details to tell people what I saw and what I did, but God worked behind the scenes, and but there was an incredible miracle. But the next few days, uh, everyone looked at me and they said, what'd you do different? Did, maybe you shaved. Well, I, I've never grown a beard like Sean can grow a beard. Uh, so no, it wasn't that I shaved. Uh, it wasn't that I, I had gotten a, a haircut or anything. But they could see something different. They could see a, a glory. And I even had a, one encounter where I was in a in a line at a uh, to buy lunch, and uh, uh, the lady in front of me just jumped and moved out of line like. And I, and I thought I invaded her space. I thought maybe I touched her or somehow, but it, it wasn't that. But she was petrified, scared to get near me, and was like, no, you go ahead. And I just seen all the how people treated me that day or two. But it was that glory that they saw. Uh, good thing I couldn't see it myself. I may have got puffed up or something. Uh, but to realize what it is, when you get in God's presence, uh, Things are going to change, and that glory, that cloud that was just on Moses, can be upon individuals. And you know, Moses didn't know it either. It right. says that he did not realize his mm. face was that bright. So it's uh, it, it is something that we can have today. Mm. You know, if we spend, if you're willing to make the sacrifice and spend that time with God, you can have things like that. And there are times when we need a true miracle of God, and all we do is weep and cry in a corner. That's not, no, we're supposed to drive ourselves towards God. So when you you had that miracle for God to heal your marriage, mm-hmm. you knew it because you were spending time with him. Yeah. You know, and when people have these encounters, 
they change. They become a new creation. And and I, I'll go back uh, at a church service with a, a great man of God that's gone on to glory, uh, uh, Dr. Jerry B. Walker. Uh, uh, you know, I thought he was fantastic man of God, loved God with all of his heart. But I was in a, a ministry meeting with him, and there was this lady came up, and I mean, she was just the look on her face. She was... Uh, she was in agony. She was distraught. I mean, she really was distraught. And uh, I mean, I, I had compassion on her. Well, uh, Brother Walker prayed for her, and uh, she uh, had was slain. In the, and he said, I'm, uh, Brother Freddie, pray for her. So I get down, and I began to pray. And, uh, and I was praying in tongues. Uh, I hope that doesn't shock you, but... Uh, uh, I do pray in, in my prayer language, and I was praying, but somehow, Sean, I knew what I was saying to her, and she knew what I was saying. Well, just this incredible experience, not only for her, but for me. And I get up, and I'm thinking, wow, that was great. And I, and I wanted to turn around and say something to her, but I could not find her. But she was standing in front of me all along, but her whole countenance changed totally that she didn't look like the same person. And um, you can have that encounter today with God. Uh, and that's the, the glory and the beauty of God and his word. We can, we can read his word and we can beat ourselves up uh, with some of the things. But when we think of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, that we can have eternal life, we can have a newness of life, and old things can pass away, and we, it can be changed uh, in a, just a twinkling of an eye, just like the rapture. We're going to be changed in a twinkling. You can still be changed. If you're struggling with your walk with Christ, uh, I'm going to invite you to reach out to us on our, our webpage, uh, on our uh, information here on Holy Days Podcast, and uh, we will uh, be glad to pray for you, pray with you, uh, and help you uh, answer what we can, the best we can. So check us out. Check out our information. So uh, I put part of the information that we have, and I'll, I'll put an email link up and uh, some other things. But uh, on the Apostles uh, Ministry page, uh, Cutting Edge, BarchtownCuttingEdge.com is where you would go. You can find uh, links to all of our Holy Day podcast. Uh, it's on there for YouTube, Facebook, and all of the audio versions we have of this. So if you check us out there, uh, I will also put a, up an email link and some other ways to contact us. So we'd love to hear from you, and thank you for watching. And we just be blessed, and because we serve a great God. Amen. Amen.